0: reading Psalm 46 today. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. You may be seated.
1: Well, hello. How are we doing, Hope City Church? Happy New Year. I mean, I know it's a week. We're already into it. Whatever I was trying to say there. But don't worry. There's going to be more of that where it came from. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Hey, my name is... uh, my name is uh, Pastor Joe. I'm one of uh, the pastors here. Uh, I get to serve along with uh, Pastor Katie and Pastor Jason in leading you guys. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for that and, and the opportunity to, to be speaking with you today. And so going to jump right into it. Today we are starting a new series, uh, a series on on prayer. And when I think about the new year and starting the new year, I think it would be fair to say that there's no greater goal or New Year's resolution that you could make than to say, I want to be better at prayer. Uh, Eugene Peterson uh, said it well when he said, there is nothing more important for a pastor to do than to teach his people how to pray. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next four weeks, and we're going to attempt is is to teach you all um, how to pray. I believe in order for this to happen, for us to get better at prayer, we need to do uh, three things, uh, and, and that is, is one that we need to unlearn some misconceptions about prayer. Uh, whatever, you, whatever you may think about prayer, what, whatever things you believe about it, what are some things that we probably need to, to unlearn? We need to gain more confidence about prayer, about going into prayer, have confidence that we're actually doing it correctly, Right? And I think also we need to develop regular habits, regular habits in prayer. So in order for us to do that, we are using uh, a great book. Uh, It is called How to Pray, and it is a simple guide for normal people. I I bought this book uh, back in, in 2020, not in 2000, 2020. I'm old, it was not that long ago, 2020, and so... I love this book. I've drawn and written all over this book. I've read it several times. It is available out in the bookstore. Uh, you can pick up a copy, uh, cheaper than you can get it on Amazon. and you can take it home. You can take it home today. And, and if you say you're not an avid reader or you don't, you don't have time to sit down and, and, and read, it's available on audiobook. <clears throat> the beautiful thing about audiobook is is you can listen to it while you're at Kroger, while you're at crunch, while you're on a walk. While you're, while you're driving. And so don't let the fact of that it, it is printed page stop you from getting the information in here. You can, you can dive into it. And I believe that it will, it will help you. Um, I've read many, many, many books on prayer. Prayers on deliverance, on healing, on salvation, prayer, prayers of contemplation and, and how, to, how to pray. I love this book and all the other books I've read, but the biggest thing about prayer is that you just need to start. You just need to start. When I first opened this book, I was like, oh, great, another book about prayer, and it talks about the Lord's Prayer. I already know that. But then I begin to dig into it and see the rhythms and the things that, that the author was using. And so I want you to know that we're going to use this book and encourage you to have it. One of the things that Pete Greggs throughout the book is he uses an acrostic. Um, he takes the word prayer, and he breaks it down into a, in a few things. He breaks it down into pausing, to rejoicing to asking and yield. So we're going we're gonna to learn how to pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And today, we, I'm going to talk about pause, and then uh, our other pastors, we are going to take the next few weeks and, and work and work through those. But to, when you begin to try to improve your prayer life, I think two things are, are possibly going to happen when you decide to, to make this decision. I want to get better at prayer. Probably the first one is that you're going to feel an amount of pressure. Or guilt. Maybe even today, as I'm talking about, hey, we're gonna learn how to pray, and you're like, ugh, I've been following Jesus forever. I should know how to pray better. Like, I should be better at this. Why is it so difficult? Why is it, why is it hard for me to go into prayer? And you just, you just feel this condemnation because you, you lack consistency or you lack the depth that you think someone that has been following Jesus as long should have. Or maybe you're brand new at prayer and you feel like climbing the mountain to God is too big and so you don't even, even want to start. Know this, that condemnation that you're feeling more than likely is not from God. God is, is not mad at you. He, he in a matter of fact, he, he wants to spend more time with you than you want to spend with Him. And whenever you take the approach and make the effort to meet the Lord, He's already there. He's already waiting for you. As hard as it would be to imagine, I want you to picture in your mind that when you go to God in prayer, He's waiting with a smile. If you think about the cost that God had to pay for us to be able to go to Him in prayer, that cost was Jesus. And so there'd been nothing more honoring than in our prayer life than to honor the sacrifice of Jesus to use the ability to, to pray. Now it, it, it's it's worth pointing out that in order to grow, you're you're going to have to face things like Uh, Discomfort and discipline and denial you're gonna somehow believe that you're not good at prayer You're inherently bad at prayer. Well, here's the thing if you don't pray you are bad at it You know why because you don't do it. You know what I was bad at riding a bike I'm still bad at roller skating. I tried it, but Here's the thing to get better at riding a bike. What do you have to do get on the bike? And you just you have to come to a place where you're like I am going to resolve to do this And if I fall if I get hurt, if it doesn't work, I'm going to get back up and keep going. One of my favorite things my, my kids love to say to me is, like, I don't know how to do that. Great. Here's an opportunity to, to, to step into that. And so know this. When you come to the point where you want to make a change, the condemnation you feel is not, is not true. I, I read this the other day of, about condemnation. You can only change something once you accept it. Condemnation does not liberate. It only oppresses. So don't feel bad. Just try. It leads me to the second thing that you're probably going to think about, and that is, oh, it's time for prayer. Let me get my candles. Let me get my incense. Let me get my pillows. Let me put on, what, my comfy robe. And you're going to go to this idealistic place. Jasmine and I spent half a Saturday building a prayer room so you guys could have a place because we thought, oh, we need to create an environment for prayer that's beautiful. God, it does matter. Your position, environments, they, they do matter. But I don't want you to have this idealized picture of I can only pray once my kids are grown and out of the house because they're too much of a distraction. I could only pray if I had a lake house and I could go stare into the beauty of the vistas and, and enjoy God's majesty. You can pray anywhere. You can pray at any time. And you can pray about anything. And I want to encourage you right now that you can do that. And in the book, Pete, Pete Gregg, he talks about uh, Susan Wesley. Susan Wesley was this, this poor woman. Uh, she, she married a preacher, penniless preacher. That's never a good choice. Uh, their marriage was deeply dysfunctional. They probably could have used a financial peace university. They actually, she lost nine children in infancy birthed them, and they passed away, but she also raised 10 kids, and because of the dysfunction in their marriage, she pretty much raised them on her own. Her house burned down twice. Her husband was put in prison twice, but yet she had an honest, simple, persevering prayer life that undoubtedly changed the world. See, she faced all these trials, but in the times when her husband was in prison and there was trouble within the church she decided to start a Sunday school that Sunday school grew from her kids and her neighbors to over 200 people a week coming to a barn to hear her speak and and to hear her sing songs and and, and pray together she was famously she uh, raised her kids homeschooled uh, her 10 kids 6 hours a day she was homeschooling and every kid got their own 1 hour of individual time a week. I have three kids. I give them one hour a month. Like this lady was like this super, super mom. And you're like, how did she do that? Susan Wesley was predominantly a woman of prayer. She was known to wait and seek the Lord in silence so that she could be renewed in strength over and over and over again. It was not easy for her though to find a place to not be disturbed So how did she do it? How did she go to prayer over and over again for her family, for the loss of these children, for her husband, for the people that she was leading and shepherding in this small town in England in the 1800s? How how did she do that? When she wanted to speak to the Lord, she took her apron and she threw it over her head and sat down and just began to seek the Lord right where she was at. In the book, Peter tells how her kids knew, don't talk to mom. I'm talking to the Lord. And it was in those moments that she was praying for her family, praying for the people she was leading, praying for God to come and to strengthen and, and renew her in many, many ways. And I don't know if you know or not, but Susan Wesley, she, she, her sons, uh, John and Charles Wesley, they founded the, the Methodist Church. There are 80 million Methodists. Thanks, Mom, for your prayers. Thanks, mom, for your prayers. What a powerful example of praying in the moment to and to be an effective prayer wherever you're at. This past Monday night, on Monday Night Football, we we saw this, this, this young man who, who, was, who was injured. And I just thought, wow, look at these guys take a knee right here in front of close to 14 million people, if you include Monday Night Football and the people in the in the stadium. Not about you, but like I get tight up at Thanksgiving when my father in law asked me to pray in front of the whole family. He's a pastor. Like I can't he, like, well, Hector, you pray better than I do. Why don't you pray? Let alone going and interceding in front of 14 million people. I mean, this past week I, I also did a funeral and I I was in the corner preparing and and just standing there kind of reading through my notes, and this lady walked by me and I was, I heard her underneath her breath, and she was like, Jesus. Jesus, you could see her. She was so nervous, just pacing around and around. And she, you could tell she had no words to say to the family, to the people she was going to walk into. And all she could just say was, Jesus, 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 over and over again. One of the greatest gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us is that he, rec- he gives us the recognition that we need God. Without the Lord, we are powerless. We, can't, we can only speak be- to God because of Jesus we have a way to talk to him and hear from him, the creator of the the universe, the maker of everything. And so don't let where you're at or what you're going through or what you're experiencing stop you from praying. I want to encourage you, you, you can pray about anything, anywhere, at any time. And if you do, continue. And if you don't, I encourage you to start. So to be better at prayer, you must go to God in prayer about all things at all time. And so as... One other thing before we as we move forward, I just want to say this too: It's like the greatest irony is, is you think your worst prayers are terrible; They're probably the honestly the best ones. Why? Because you have nothing else to give to God. This is all I have, and then those honest those honest moments that's when God can hear you the best. Romans eight twenty six and seven says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all the hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit is leading us believers in harmonies with God's own will. Jesus. Jesus. I don't know what else to say, but God hears me through the words of my mouth, and He knows what I mean. And I'm just so thankful that we get to do that. And so, as we start, we're going to pause. As we start, we're going to pause. We have to start. We have to start. To start, sorry. We're going to pause. To start, we must stop. I wrote that myself, and it's still confusing. It's like, what? Pause. To start, we must stop. To move forward, we must pause. The first step in developing and growing the discipline of prayer is, is pausing. I love when Karen, my wife, when she read that in Psalm 46, be still. And know that I am God. Your prayer life and turning to God, it needs to move through going through the motions of a a wish list or or a prayer list or, or desires of the day or for your future and come to thinking about joining a wait list. God, I'm waiting on you. God, I'm waiting for you to show up. And I'm waiting for you to speak. To be better at prayer, you need to know, you need to hear from God pausing and stopping so that God can be heard. As in prayer and in, in, in our lives, there's a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. If we want to get better at hearing the one that speaks and what God describes as a still, small voice, we must befriend silence. Stopping prepares your mind, and, and, it, and it primes your heart to pray from a place of, of of greater peace, of faith, and of love of God. You know, actually stopping is a form of prayer. We're going to talk about that here in the, in the moment and at the end, but I want to ask you this. How would you describe your soul in this very moment? We've got a little bit of tension right now, but like how would you feel? Is your, is your soul calm? Is your soul still? How getting ready for church this morning? Practical. How was it? Was it busy? Was it busy? Was it hurried? Did you rush out the door? Did you yell at your kids to get in the car? Did you did you drive the speed limit to get here? Did you get here in time to get your favorite seat, or was it already taken? I I just love that as um as we are on a day that God Himself designed for us for rest, for relaxation, to raise our awareness of Him through thanksgiving and and praise and and worship together, we can become so rushed and so hurried that we could quite possibly miss the point all together. In in Psalm 42, 1, the psalm says they they compare our soul to an exhausted deer. You ever heard that? The the deer pants by the water, goes to the stream panting by water. Where do you go when you need to be refreshed. When life, just like a deer, has you zigging and zagging and panting with exhaustion, you've, you've gone and gone and gone and run and run and run and you finally get to this place where you are just exhausted. Food? Netflix? Relationships? Do you go to scrolling endlessly on your phone? I know for me, I love to go to the Facebook Marketplace and just look at cars I'm never going to buy. Ooh, Ooh, an 87 Corolla. I, I just, I, I, I just, it, this escape. But what my soul really needs is living water, not distraction. If our soul is just as elusive as a deer and prone to run until exhaustion, how could we ever be refreshed if we keep going back to the very same things that have us running for our life? Your soul is... Possibly hurting and hurried. You can't wait to be refreshed. But if you want to do it so quickly and just get it over with, or you, maybe you're going to the wrong source, you'll never, you'll never be refreshed. I remember when I played high school football, I was no good, and it didn't last long, two seasons. But I remember working and doing like two-a-days and practices, and we had garden hoses, and they took a piece of PVC pipe and they stabbed holes in it. And there was these tiny little streams. And as a freshman, I would run and go grab a garden hose and drown myself trying to drink. But the smart guys, the juniors, the seniors, they knew if they went to that little piece of PVC pipe and got that little steady stream, that they could actually refresh themselves faster. And that's where I felt like I've been in my life. It's like, man, I just need to go to God real quick. Just get it over with, just get, over, just get over with. Or, or man, I, you know what, I just need to a, click, click out for a second and just, I'll just scroll on my phone for a little bit instead of feeling the feelings I'm feeling right now. But if we don't learn how to slow down and we don't learn how to go to the right source, we'll never, we'll never experience the refreshment that our soul really needs. Pausing and stopping to pray is preparing yourself to take in the living water your soul needs. It's meeting with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. The one that loves you and knows you greater than you know him or you could ever know yourself. Pausing with prayer, we must come with an appropriate awareness of the one we welcome. I'm talking to God right now. God, I'm not in control. You're in control. In moments of stillness, we start our prayer time as surrendering. It's time to tell God I'm done competing. God, I want to give up control. I'm resigning from trying to save the planet. I want to center my priorities on you and acknowledging with a sigh of relief, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. God, He he wants to talk to you and with you more than you do. He's lovingly, patiently waiting for you to come to Him so He can speak to you. And give you something that the world or yourself cannot offer, and that is the, the living water. Pausing to be still may sound simple. Oh yeah, you just stop. But I don't know about you, but I know for me, but are the things, most things in life that sound so easy and so simple were probably some of the hardest things to do. And in that hardness of, of pausing, you will face spiritual resistance. You will face spiritual resistance. Developing the ability to pause is part of our spiritual growth. We all want emotional health and and spiritual growth, spiritual death, right? We pastor's been teaching us for a long time about, about deep change in our life and stopping and recognizing God is one of the spiritual disciplines that we all need to grow in. I remember when I was a kid, growing up, my family, my dad, he had two forms of discipline, right? One was a belt. Anybody else want to guess what the other one was? Go ahead. What was it? Wait. Sit down and be quiet. No, he used a belt. We, we was way past trees when I was a kid. <laughs> it was sit down and be quiet. And for me, that was worse torture than a couple swipes with a belt. I remember in times I'd be like, let's just go ahead and get this over with, Dad. Like, what you want? Like, I'll go back to doing whatever I want. But the, the times he had the resolve to say sit down and be quiet. Well, what happened when I sat down and was quiet? I was there. Me and my consequences, me and my shame, me and my guilt, me and my actions. And I had to sit there and think about those things. Kids can be a ball of energy, and it can be hard for them to move around. But when we understand the discipline of the power of stillness, we can then begin to examine ourselves. You don't want it. I don't want it. But we have to grow in that. Psalm 131.2 says this, Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child, who no longer cries for mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child, my soul, I have calmed my soul within me. You, you have to get to a place where you can just say, it's just me and the Lord. I, I, I don't desire a new thing. I don't desire new clothes. I don't desire new, uh, to satiate my body with food. I, I, I don't desire escape. God, let me find rest in my soul in you, your hurts, your pains, your unprocessed grief, your, your emotions, press, pressure and stress from an impending work deadline, the feeling of, of failure because of lost dreams or unmet expectations, and stillness, all of those things will meet you there. All of these untrue things that you think about yourself will be screaming so much louder than that still, small voice. But if you wait, keep showing up. Stop going to prayer with fists and white knuckles and saying, I'm going to fight. And just release it. God, he will show up in those moments. And Keep encouraging to, 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 to pray whenever, wherever, and however, about everything. Just keep showing up. I love because in the Psalm 46, I had Karen read all of it. Because the psalmist, you can tell that he knows God. God has shown up in his life, and he can pray and say, be still and know I'm God. Why? Because he knows God. Look at some of the verses in there. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help me in times of trouble. How does he know that? My dude went through some trouble. Have you been through some trouble? Is God your fortress, your strength, a place of refuge? So we will not fear the earthquakes and the, when the mountains crumble and, and, and they go into the sea and the oceans roar and foam and the mountains tremble and the water surges. My man has seen the whole world fall apart. When your world falls apart, do you go to God? Are you without fear? You can ha- be scared, but you have to cast that fear onto the Lord, right? I love the next verse. It says, it brings joy to the city Of our God, rivers bring joys to the city of our God. I love this because the psalmist is using this picture here. What is God bringing to His people? Joy. When you go to God in prayer, do you feel like you're going to receive joy, or do you feel like you're going to receive correction, condemnation? What do you What do you picture when God's seeing you show up, and when you're ready to receive? What are you ready to receive? Is it good news and great joy? That's what we celebrate Christmas. Because good news and great joy has came, and he wants to give it to us when we go and speak to him. Come and see the glorious works of our Lord. Man, I'm going to prayer because I remember, God, all the things you've done for me. And we do those things. Why? Because then we can be still and we can know. We can know God. Often we come to God in, in crisis and, and in troubles, and we, when we feel overwhelmed and powerless. Great. I encourage you to do that. Because it's in those moments when we know we can't give God anything is when he'll show up and he can do anything. I love that Pete Greg in his book, I have circled and underlined this part over and over and over. I think it was the first thing I circled, and I've come back to it over and over. Be still and know I'm God. is an invitation for you to know God, know his power, rest in his goodness, and give up control. This is the quote he says. Why don't you take a vacation from being God and let me be God instead for a change? I love that. But for the time that we have left, I'm going I'm to focus on being still, pausing. And what does that look like in a, in, a, in a practical way? Susan Wesley would say, throw your apron over your head and get after it, right? I don't know what it looks like for you. I, I know what it looks like for me. And so I want to just walk through a couple practical ways of, of how we can begin to pause and we can begin to seek God in, in prayer. One of the other things I love, in Luke 11:1, the disciples who saw tons of miracles, healings, feeding uh, of just multitudes of people, seeing uh, crowds gather. They never asked Jesus how to do any of those things, right? They're like, oh, we can do that because you're with us. But what did they notice about Jesus? And they asked him, hey, teach us. You're our rabbi. Teach us. Teach us how to pray. And that's what we're going to God for is to teach us how to pray. And so the first thing, to, to be better at prayer, pausing to be better at prayer you're going to begin by pausing with patterns. I bet people in the room, you all all have your own patterns. I I know I have my habits and patterns. I I wake up in the mornings, somewhere around five, and I I go downstairs and I pray and I, I be still, and then I come upstairs and... If there's enough time and my kids are lucky, I'll make them breakfast, and then we go to the bus stop, and then we go take Kai to school, and then I, I come to work, and then I have some meetings, and then I sometimes go to lunch, and sometimes I don't, and then I go pick my kids up, and then I go back home, and then I may or may might not dinner. Karen and I usually have a standoff of whose turn it is, and and then, we, and then I watch YouTube videos and text a couple people, and then I go to bed. You mix in the grocery store, laundry, a couple doctor visits, and vacation, and welcome to your 40s. That's, that's, what, you're, that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. So we do. So we all have our daily rhythms. What I want to do is I want to invite you in these moments to part into your daily rhythm, rhythms of prayer. We all have our own processes. We all have our own procedures that lead us to the life that we have. And I want to encourage you to invite prayer into those rhythms. And so when you, when you get up, in the mornings, you can pray. When you sit down for lunch in the afternoons, you can pray. And when you sit down for dinner, you can stop and pray. This is not revolutionary. This is, this is old as 600 A.D. There was a, uh, a pope um, that he decided to start ringing bells at 6 noon and 6 to remind the faithfuls, hey, stop for a moment and pray the Lord's Prayer. So if you want to be better at prayer, you have to develop patterns. And for me, this happens, like I said, a couple times a day. And in the mornings, this is what I do. I I pray the Lord's Prayer. I stop every morning. I sit down. And sometimes I I pray it verbatim, word for word. And other times I use it as a structure. If you come back tonight at 7, I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer with everyone that's here. And we're going to walk through the pattern of praying the Lord's Prayer as a structure for a time of prayer. In the afternoons, I, I pray for salvation. I, I pray for a lost friend or maybe someone in the congregation here today that one of your friends or family members far from God, I, I pray for them. And then in the evenings, I, I pray a prayer of gratitude. So you, you, you probably all have your own rhythms in life. And just inviting them to stop for a few moments, one of the things I love about developing this pattern is if I know at these times of day I'm going to do these prayers, guess what I do? I pray. I don't ever have to worry about showing up. What am I going to pray about? Well, it's lunchtime. It's time to pray for salvation. It's dinner time. It's time to pray for gratitude. It's, it's morning. It's time to, to pray the Lord's Prayer back to God. You know, I, I said earlier about that Pope that rung bells. Your phone can become a modern-day church bell. It has no problem interrupting you any time of day. How about you set your phone six times a day to interrupt yourself and go back to God? God, thank you. God, here's my lost friend. God, lead me not into temptation. God, deliver me from evil. God, give me the very things I need for today. So you can set that. It would be like a modern day church bell. Pete Gregg says this about daily prayer rhythms. Keep it real, keep it simple, keep it going. Keep it real, keep it simple, keep it going. J.J. Bonhoeffer, he says this about a daily prayer routine. We begin the day in silence because God should have the first word. We end the day in silence because God should have the last word. To begin any prayer, we must first pause with patterns. The second thing that we need to do to, to be better at prayer is that we need to be unhurried. We need to be unhurried. You can be active, but you need to be unhurried. I know uh, sometimes I get super wound up. Sometimes I'm super anxious, and sometimes I just can't sit still. I'm super, I'm super fidgety. And inner stillness and, and, and being sedentary sounds virtually impossible you know, I was, I, I was thinking this about this example of how to be unhurried but active at the same time. It just went right to my kids. I have two kids. They're very intellectual. They get, they get straight A's. They love, they love to play music. They do all the things. And if I told them, hey, sit down and be still for a few moments, they would do it. But if I did it to Lenny, she would lose her mind. She's right over there again giving this smug look. But if I said, hey, Lenny, sit down and just think about the goodness of God, she'd be like, what are you talking about? But if I say, hey, Lenny, here's some watercolors. Hey, Lenny, here's a pencil and a pad. Draw me God's goodness. God, Lenny, show me ways that God has shown up in your life. She would take that time and just make you a beautiful masterpiece. And Pete Grigg explains this in the book as kinetic stillness. That makes no sense, but when you write a book, you can say stuff like that. I'm moving but stopped. I'm moving, but you have like some people in the room. This is the way we work. But the thing is, is that you have to show up unhurried while moving. I can move and be empty. I, I the things that are in my mind that are that are having me running. If I can remove those, be active but focused on God. I can. He can still. He can still. He can still show up. I, you know, I was I was hiking a few months ago out in um, out in um, Jefferson County Memorial Forest. And I was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, just going hard, going hard. Like no one told me to go. I wasn't training for anything, I was just going. And I was coming to this place of just exhaustion. And I was like, oh, I can just stop. And halfway up this hill, I stopped. And this euphoric moment of endorph, I'm not a scientist, endorphins, things filled my body. Like, my body naturally released all these things, these chemicals inside of me, and I felt this moment, and I was like, wow, I came for this hike, but I'm going to enjoy this walk back. And in that walk back, I had some of the most amazing thoughts and moments of just God and and his goodness, and I would have never have gotten that with a notepad and my couch. Never would have got that with just sitting in the dark, breathing in and out. And so for the people in the room that, are, that love to move and keep going and you feel like I'm going to put shackles on you by sitting still, you don't have to. But I want to ask you to is to find a place where you can meet God, where you can be unhurried but moving. Uh, C.S. Lewis, um, he says this. He says, I know that I can't be busy and pray at the same time, but I can be active and pray. I can work and pray, but I can't be busy and pray. I can't be inwardly rushed or distracted. In order to pray, I have to be praying, paying more attention to God than to what people are saying to me. I have to be listening to God more than my clamoring ego. and It, it goes on, but you get, you get, the, you get the point. Um, pausing, stopping, coming to God, seeking Him, we must, we must come empty. We can be moving our bodies, but inwardly we can't be rushed and distracted. I love we use our rabbi Jesus as an example of this. Where, where did he, what was he doing ministry at? He, he, he wasn't sitting sedentary. He did do that, but also he went to the wedding feast at Cana. He, he went to Passover. He went to the what? The Sermon on the Mount. My man climbed the mountain, taught climbed back down. When he was tempted by the devil, it happened at the top of a mountain. Jesus didn't have an iPhone. Jesus didn't have podcast. Jesus didn't have ways telling him how to get there. He went undistracted in these moments. I can only believe that he was praying along the way. And we can, we can too. So the first thing we need to do is we need to pause with patterns. The second thing we need to do to be better at prayer is that you're active, but you are unhurried. You're active, but you're unhurried. And the last thing that we can do, and this is very much like the, the crux. This is, this is the actual part of the meshes that is very applicable and we're going to walk through this, is that you can pause and be centered. You can pause and be centered. And I, I, like I said, I, I got this book in 2020 and, and for, for, for many, many months. And it's not every day, but it's most days. Like when I went and visited my sister-in-law, I didn't do this. We were in St. Louis in our basement. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do it. But most days you can find me doing this practice that we're going to talk about. And maybe for you, as you think about this practice, you like, how can I fit this into my schedule? Well, we just developed a new pattern, right? We're, we're going to do morning, we're going to do noon, and we're going to do night. We're going to do morning, noon, or night. So figure out in your rhythm of prayer time where you can apply this. It doesn't have to be at 4 a.m. It doesn't have to be at 9 o'clock at night. Just find some place that you can do this and you can apply it. And so, and he goes on into the book. Another reason why you should go grab a copy. But posture matters. All throughout the Bible, we read about people that laid face down on the ground. We hear songs and we sing them about raising holy hands. Jesus went away into solitude. He, he tells us to go into our prayer closet. Susan Wesley pulled the apron over her head. You have to find a posture in a place that's comfortable for you. Um, Kaylee and part of the worship team, they're going to make their way now. And I just want to be an, an invitation for everybody in the room. This isn't a time to get your jacket or worry about where we're going to go to lunch or or worry about going and checking out your kids and kids' church. I just want to take the next few moments and and walk you through uh, some instructions. Kaylee is going to tell us here in a moment that we're going to have prayer partners and we're also going to take communion. And So don't worry, we're not going to miss out on that. But in these next few moments, I want to try something with you. The words of... Of Eugene Peterson really struck me when it said a pastor's job is to teach his people how to pray I thought it'd be so easy for y'all to write down the next four steps of relax and breathe and speak and repeat but then I was like how can I go and think that they do it if we don't show them I'm a very kinetic learner show me and I got it let me read it eh. so I want to show you guys how to do it okay and so if you would just go with me in these next few moments if you feel comfortable I I feel like the Holy Spirit's going to show up and and, and do something powerful. And so a centering prayer is something that's very simple. It helps you gather your scattered senses. And it helps you to go into prayer. It's relaxing, it's breathing, it's speaking, and then it's repeating. And so I'm going to lead you guys in these next few moments. And so the first thing I want you to do is I want you to relax. I want you to grab a seat. Hey, thanks, guys, 100 percent participation. Great job. No, all right, no more jokes. No more jokes. Maybe in this moment, you for you to relax, you change your posture. Maybe it's sit up, Maybe it's release your shoulders. I know for me, one of the greatest breakthroughs in prayer I had was when I decided to open my hands upside down in a defenseless posture it reminded me that I can't take anything to God because I don't have anything to give and so I just sat I sit there times sometimes I look at my hands and other times I just I feel the weight of the emptiness of my hands and I just keep saying I need to give this emptiness to God as you begin to relax I want you to think about tension in your body we are mind, body, and spirit. We are all one. So where are you carrying tension right now in your body? I know for me, I carry it in my back. Often I, I, I twitch and I flex. You may see me sometimes moving. And in these moments, I just ask God to, God, just release the tension. I, I tell my mind to tell my body, move away to kind of give me some relief. And I just tell my body to to relax And, and I speak in my mind to that tension to be at ease as you begin to relax I want you to do the next step and that is to breathe that sounds so simple but often it's so hard take a few deep breaths breathe in slowly picture as if you're inhaling the breath of life through the Holy Spirit Breathe in deeply. Exhale your worries. Exhale your concerns. Exhale the thought of control. Relaxing your spirit. Relaxing. Focus on meeting with God. As you're sitting there breathing, and as you're sitting there focusing, as you're sitting there relaxing... Quietly begin to invite God. Maybe you begin by just speaking the simple name of Jesus. Paul tells us that if we would just speak, the Holy Spirit would speak for us. And so I just ask that you would just begin to speak, Jesus. A simple prayer from the ancient times is Come, Lord Jesus relax your body breathe in breathe out when distractions come and they will don't meet them with condemnation or frustration simply greet them tell them thank you not right now And allow yourself to come back to relaxing, back to breathing. And remind yourself this your spirit is connected to God's spirit. Our spirits are just like a compass. We will find our way back to Him. Keep relaxing, keep breathing speak your invitations. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.